This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Welcome to the Edge of Innovation. It's great to talk with you, Paul. Today, we're going to be going over your tweet, but first, reducing cognitive overload for a better user experience. Yeah, this, I think, you know, is this sort of, I mean, it's number six. I think it's the sleeper, because this is what we're all about, as far as as producers of content for the Sleeper, web. Sleeper, you mean this is going to be a bit of a, a dull topic for most people? No, I think it's the one that is should be more more attention paid to. Yeah. If people knew what they were reading, it was this is really important. Yeah. This is something that you should really think about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I read the title, and I immediately think of all the work that we do with Save Your Lives. Yeah. And, and there's a, an incredible amount of things that this sort of topic effects absolutely and this is sort of the the marrow of the discussion this is really what it's all about is that user experience when we talk about it is frictionless and it just works and that's why apple devices are so cool is they just work right they've got cognitive overload very low yeah you know there's a great book don't make me think yeah and those things while you might say, well, I'm, I'm intelligent. I can think. I can do all that. Well, they, they, they create cognitive load. Yeah. And so while the, the title says cognitive overload, it's really we want to reduce cognitive load yeah. in was, everything we do. I saw a guy doing a bit of a sketch recently about the difference between America and English or the United Kingdom mm-hmm. uh, food experience. Mm-hmm. And he was just making the funny comment that, like, yeah, when you open a menu in America, it's gigantic. Right. But we celebrate choices, and we have all these choices. And in some ways, with a user experience yes. of a website, you're actually trying to do the opposite. You're trying to reduce the amount of choices that you have. Right. Well, and that's a great. As we talked about Microsoft earlier, they give you lots of choices. Right. Apple says, no, we're going to reduce the cognitive load. Mm-hmm. You just do it this way. Yeah. And... But we've got 30 years of Microsoft giving us these options. Yeah. If we had never been taught that, mm-hmm. we would have said, well, that's the way you do it. Yeah. So, you know, cognitive load is probably one of the most important things. Because, you know, it's cognitive load isn't bad, but we have to be selective about it. Yeah. You know, so if it's really complicated to cook a meal, you're not going to be engaging with your children. Right. Or your wife or your spouse or significant other. You're going to be concentrating on this. Yeah. You know, and there's there's a high cognitive load there. You know, so if you're a brain surgeon and you're in the middle of surgery, you're not going to be talking about how the game was because yeah. there's a high cognitive load. And th- those are important things. But, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'm going to choose the simpler way to do things yeah. so I can engage with other people around me. So as we reduce cognitive load, we let people do what they want to do. Yeah. So what are, the, are there any sort of particular recommendations from the article that stuck out to you? Well, I think most of it is uh, just disclosing the concept of cognitive load. Okay. Uh, and yeah. really to be aware of it, you know, because there's another tweet. I don't think it made it into the top ten, but minimal websites. Yeah. And there's this, there's this tension that occurs with website design where you can get too simple. Yeah. You know, and not give people enough information, not just design, but design and content. So you could just say, you know, we make websites. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not enough information for somebody to choose you as a, as a, as a services right, firm. Right. So that's not, you know, 
we were talking about with the ads around things, the cognitive load on that is horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's well, overload. Ways, the, the cognitive load is understanding your target audience because if your target audience, for example, if you're a restaurant and you have a website and it's difficult, your target audience are clientele to come to your website, right? I mean, that's the people that you want coming to your website. And if the cognitive load is so difficult for them to find out just the simple address and operating hours of the restaurant, right. you're going to lose business. So that's why right. it's really important. Right. Because if it, like there's a cafe in, in my city, I love it. I love going there. Occasionally I have to remember, you know, where the hours right. to go. And for whatever reason, the way they have their website designed, it's not the first thing at the top. It right. doesn't say this cafe these hours, right. I have to scroll all the way to the bottom. Right. And then it's in a dark font on top of a brown background. Beautiful. <laughs> so it's like, it's a slick website, guys, but you missed it on this one. Right. The cognitive overload is almost enough to make me say, ah, just dunk and donuts. Right. Right. I agree. I, I just had the similar experience with a restaurant I was invited to. I didn't know anything about it. I wanted the address. It took me like four minutes to find the address on the website. Right. Like, what's with that? If you are a restaurant that wants people to come to you, the most basic information that they need, where are you? Yes, where are you? And when are you there? Yeah. More than anything. Yeah. Um, and we have food. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So next article from the month, 20 free JavaScript libraries web developers can use. Sure. So, you know, JavaScript is really the language of the internet yeah it is the way we manipulate and do things that look cool and mm -hmm. offer eye candy and user interface components and so what's nice about this is this is sort of an inventory of you know 20 of them which gives you a nice summary of what it is and what you might want to plug it in on your website for mm -hmm. now the danger with this is that you might you could implement them all and then yeah. your site becomes very heavy so you need to be very selective about what you want to use and how you do that. But I thought it was a great article because it's sort of very, very quickly summarized in a couple of sentences why you should look at these. And, uh, you know, it, it covers React, for example. Oh, like, that's great. You know, but it also comes and covers uh, Angular, JS, which is, uh, which is another, another way to do things. And yeah. so all of these different things that you might have heard of but don't really know the depth on, this is a great jumping off point. Oh, that's excellent. So next article that was up was 50 million raised since change in equity crowdfunding rules. Yeah. So this is on Entrepreneur and... I Five million. Oh. What did I say? 50. Oh. Well, that would have been great, too. Yeah, that would have been great, but... 10% of <sighs> 50 million. Right. Five million raised. So what's what's the what's going on with this article and what's the payoff that you felt like people needed to do? There's a fundamental shift going on in the way that entrepreneurs can get money for their company. Yeah. You could have always had people give you money yeah. or, you know, loan you money, friends and family, that kind of thing. Sure. And there there weren't a lot of rules in that. But it it's actually it was illegal for you to advertise for like say you, you know, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. You took a a want ad out in the ad in the newspaper. Those are those things that are printed on paper, and yeah, yeah. yeah uh, they fold them up and they throw them at your house, yeah. or you go and pick them up at the corner. You took an ad out that says, "I'm starting a new company, and it does X, Y, and Z, and we want you to invest." That was actually illegal. Really? Yeah, you could not do that. 
And that's from the SEC's point I didn't of view. Know that. Yeah, you'd get into trouble. You know, they'd come and say, yeah, "You can't do that." And the reason is, is because you're, well, you know, I don't know what the long-term historical reason is. Whether it's a way to protect Wall Street, you know, it might be. But I think it's the investing. You know, there's this thing called an accredited investor, which you have to be in order to invest in certain things. Okay. That means that you have to have a certain level of liquid net worth. I got you. And it protects you. Now, it's interesting. You know, so I just said it 20, 30 years ago. Actually, the rules that prevent that may not have been in place then, but I'm pretty sure the SEC would have had problems. But there are rules now and have been, and I'm sure we could get a lawyer on that could talk about all this, that prevented you from advertising and saying, hey, I want to raise money for my my company. And because of those claims that you say, you know, we're going to make a billion dollars or we're going to do this or we're going to do this, those you go and you walk down the street and you see a grandma who likes you. Yeah. You don't know them at all, but they say, oh, it seems like a nice person and what they're doing and all that. That border is, is a borderline mm-hmm. problem because you are, you are taking somebody who's not a credited investor, right. maybe taking money that they don't have that's liquid, that is riskable, yeah. and going to be taking it and giving it to you. Right. in speculation yeah. so they're not a professional investor right, right. and so that that's not a good thing you yeah. know so now with the internet you know we've come up with kickstarter and indiegogo and all the other ones where you can sort of have these micro investments you right. can invest two hundred dollars or a hundred dollars and all these things and surprisingly the sec has been okay with that really and that's sort of the the initial um crowdfunding yeah. those rules the sec came out with a an announcement to say it's okay to do that and so you know you can you can go out and put that crowdfunding rule uh, that out there and do it and raise money for your company that you could have never done legally before yeah what you could only have done through friends and family wow so if you have an idea that's really all you need and now you can put that up on a website and if the idea you know has synergy with people's minds they give yeah. you the money you go off and do it. Now you are representing that you're going to do it and you're going to do it faithfully and all that different stuff. And you can get into trouble for not doing what you say you're going to do. Well, I think with organizations like Kickstarter, I can't speak for other ones. I know for Kickstarter, if the crowdfunding does not follow through or the timeline gets perpetually delayed, there was a a book project I saw happen Mm -hmm. where, you know, we're going to produce this set of books in 2014 and it's still delayed to September 16, Mm -hmm. 2016. I've seen loads of people start pulling out their investment because they haven't followed through. So there are those protections, at least built into those things. So it's just this this fundamental change. And what's interesting about this is Wall Street doesn't have a lot of control over it. Interesting. You know, I, I don't think people generally know. If you don't want to talk about conspiracy theories, I don't know that it's that. But the depth to which the roots of Wall Street's control is in our economy is yes. huge. And... You just don't understand it. Yeah. This is a disruptive yeah. event. Well, this seems not only a disruptive event, which is, I hope, good for Wall Street, but it's also good for entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And I think it's good for individuals because what you see is, I like that. Yeah. That's the ultimate way to invest yeah. is, is invest in companies. You know, the, the investor guidance out there is invest in companies that you think do a good job. Yeah. And it's been great. I've seen several companies that have started with 
miniature projects on Kickstarter right. that have kickstarted entire careers. So Absolutely. Misco Goods in Louisville that he started out with like just a simple card deck. I think it was like three or four years ago, and it launched an entire design career hmm. for him because wow. it had synergy with people. Right. And it was a sort of Kickstarter thing where, you know, hey, I need $20,000, and oh my gosh, I have $150,000 invested in this project. Right. You know, so, right. Which is exactly what you want as an entrepreneur. Right. Well, and it's, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of people in the web world who say if you have an idea for a website, don't build it, build a landing page for it. Yeah. To say, we have a new idea for this, this, and this. Sign up if you're interested for free. Mm-hmm. You know, sign up for more information. If you don't get traction on that, you're probably not going to get traction on the product. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but yet, you've spent six months and thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of right. dollars, trying to build that product. Yeah. You know, so it's very wise to do that. And Excellent. Kickstarter is another way to validate it. It's a great idea. And, yeah. And all the other systems that are out there. So for our last article, I threw this one in there because it looked interesting, probably because I'm always interested in biographies of leaders and how they can help us be better businessmen and entrepreneurs for the future or businesswomen for the future. Uh, how to Harness Joseph Schumpter's Forgotten Path to Innovation Organization. Talk us through that article. Yeah, I mean, it's really simple. Um, it's organization. Now, he was an economist, passed away in 1950 from the late 1800s. What's interesting about these old dead people, yeah. is they dealt with the same problems we're dealing with. Sure. They had different tools. People fundamentally were the same. And they lived in black and white. They lived in black and white, yes. And, you know, they didn't have some of the cognitive overload that we had. Right. So in some ways, they had much clearer visions for what had to happen. And he really summarized his view was basically organize things yeah. so that you can utilize new I don't want to say technologies, but yeah. new new ways of doing things. So new version of a product, yeah. introducing new methods of production, open new markets, and acquire new sources of supply. So it's not about necessarily external innovation, but from an entrepreneurial point of view, it's optimization. Yeah. And we talk about it very naturally now, you know, reducing cognitive overload on this and make your site simpler. Yeah. Well, that's, that's something where we might, you know, go... Well, now we're going to move to React JS. That's a new method of production. Yeah. Why? Does, because it offers us this and this ability. So, really, you know, these things are somewhat obvious when yeah. you say them, but if you don't think about them, they're not obvious. Yeah. And this is a really good article to help sort of crystallize that in the reader's mind. Yeah. Is, is we, one of the things that we see in business and in talking with different, especially nonprofits. Yeah. They get so caught up in what they're doing, yeah. run, 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 that they forget why they're doing it. Yeah. And they're doing the wrong things now. Yeah. And I think we need that stepping back and saying, wait a minute, are we doing the right thing? What are we trying to accomplish right. here? That is so critical. And I think that this focuses people on that. So it was, yeah. a, it was a good read. So talking through how do you organize things so that you can step back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you need this neutral person, Paul is able to help you. Savior Lab is able to help you with your website. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, and we'll talk to you next week. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.